Raiders, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane. Your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. A drag race, they're sideways! Here he comes, here he comes, he's got him this time. Larson to the bottom of the track. Flat job. Trying to take the lead away. Flat job. They touch, they touch. Who is going to win? It's going to be a drag race all the way back to the start-finish line. Keep your foot in it. Keep your foot in it. There's still three. Middle he's three. got him, he's got him. Oh, oh there we go. Here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place that everybody wants to be. Yes, you know what that is by now, Victory Lane 2.0 for the OGs. Episode 1 is come and gone. Episode 2 has come and gone. And now we are here back and better than ever for Episode 3 of this fine program. Thank you, as always, to everybody who has rated, reviewed, and subscribed so far. And shout out to Jason Murphy, my OG at NBC Sports Washington. Comes in, taps me on the shoulder, goes, what's going on, party people? I'm like, wow, really, you're listening. And he doesn't even love NASCAR. Like He knows enough about it to carry conversation, but he doesn't love it. He's not obsessed with it like some of the other listeners of this fine program. So, Murph, shout out to you, my guy. All love, all love. So today, what we got going on, we're going to recap the Auto Club 400 at Auto Club Speedway. If you haven't heard, Kyle Busch is kind of good at that whole racing thing. Yeah, got his 200th career NASCAR victory. We're also going to preview Martinsville this weekend, where I will be in Southern Virginia at the Paperclip. Also, we're going to hear from Ryan Priest, my interview with Ryan Priest from Las Vegas a couple weeks back. Of course, hit on some lug nuts of the week. And close out the show before I head down to Southern Virginia. So, as we do every single week, DW, get her ribbed up. Buggity, buggity, buggity. Let's go racing, boys. Kyle Busch doing Kyle Busch things at Auto Club Speedway. Win number 200 on Sunday. A historic day, not only for him, but for everybody involved in the sport of NASCAR. He didn't even do it in the Xfinity race, though. Cole Custer won that. But he redeemed himself like he even had to, really. On Sunday, he started in fourth place. Did not come easy for him, though, as some of these wins don't seem to. He he kind of did it to himself, speeding mid-race on pit road. And, of course, who was speeding with him? His teammate, Denny Hamlin. No, no shocker there. So he was speeding around the mid-portion of the race. That sent him back toward the tail end of the lead lap. But any penalty was no match for the almighty Rowdy, of course. He ends up coming back through the field passing the Penske cars up front and gets his 200th career win in his NASCAR National Series career, tying the king, Richard Petty. Well, kind of. We'll get to that in a second. Here was Kyle Busch comparing win number one back in the day at Auto Club to win number 200. They're both different in their own ways, but definitely unforgettable in their own right as well, and both coming at Auto Club. I don't know. I mean, I think the emotion of it uh, on the first one was was 
way greater just because it was the first one. Um, I mean, my mom was in tears today. She was in tears on the first one. I don't know how many of the in-between 198 she was in tears for, but I'm sure there were a few of those as well, too. Um, it's just been uh, a crazy ride, and uh, to get 200 here today at Auto Club Speedway is um, is pretty cool. I mean, to bookend number one and 200 here at the same place, it's kind of crazy. On the same asphalt, this place hasn't been repaved, so um, that's been pretty cool as well, too, and, and just being able to, to, to win. That's what it's about. I think that's pretty cool that you can bookend your career um, somewhat with your first win and your 200th, a landmark historic victory at the same track. And like he said, on the same asphalt, too. But did this one mean more? I mean, like like I said, this is a historic day for Kyle and for the sport of NASCAR. But for some people, it means a lot. For some people, it doesn't mean, a, doesn't mean anything. Let's ask the man himself, what does this one mean to you? It's, it's kind of tough to say because... He's won races that have literally meant more. He'll, he'll mention right here when he won at Homestead to win the championship. He's won other races. He's won um, countless times in all three series. Some he's dominated. Some he's lucked into. This one kind of falls somewhere in between. I mean, this was win number 200, but there's so many of the 200 that are special or meaningful, um, and I don't know how you can categorize or characterize uh all of them and you know people ask me well what, what's the biggest win of your career and I'm like well I guess Homestead 2015 is probably the biggest right so you know where does number 200 the 200th win at Auto Club Speedway stand <laughs> I don't know you know it is it in one of the top 10 most memorable probably because it is number 200 but just because of that um, you know, it wasn't like it was the Daytona 500 I got it or the Coke 600 or Brickyard 400 or anything like that. So um, it was um, <clears throat> one of our, our races that's on our on our schedule. And it just so happened to be out here in California. But, um, you know, it, it, they, they've all been cherishable for their particular reasons. And I don't want to discredit any of them. I think that this milestone is obviously a, a special one um, to me, uh, to many of those that are around me. Uh, my wife, my, my son will one day... Um, be able to recognize that. And Adam Stevens, my guys, I know many of the, the crews and crew chief people that, uh, that I've worked with over the course of my career obviously feel something about it as well, too. So it's pretty cool to, to hear from those guys. And the man who has been on top of the pit box for a good chunk, a good handful of those races is Adam Stevens. And we'll hear from him right here. He's just glad to be a part of it all, soaking it all in. It's, it's pretty cool. You know, uh, the 200 deal is... Um, it's awesome. You know, it's important for people to remember. It's not my 200th win by any means. Um, so, but it's cool to be a part of his career. You know, he's um, as good as they get. Uh, probably be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I don't know how anybody could argue that. And just to be so close to that level of talent and help him achieve what he's achieved uh, is a tremendous uh, honor. Uh, and I don't take it lightly. I never have. You guys have probably heard me say that before. Um, but, uh, you know, get him to victory lane a few times and be a part of it on the Xfinity side and a cup championship and uh, a few cup races. And a, and uh, now to be a part of his 200th win, um, I hope I'm there for 250. All right, let's 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 talk about the inevitable thing, the 200 wins. So I, I tweeted something after he crossed the finish line on Sunday. So here's my thoughts in tweet form. My thoughts on Kyle Busch's landmark win today are simple. He's a badass race car driver who is one of the greatest I will ever see, as is Richard Petty. No debate there. So I'm going to appreciate the greatness while I can, just like I have been. You should give it a try, too. And that's exactly it. I mean, I, I get why people debate. 
I get why people get angry and mad about these things. That's that's the day and age that we live in in the 21st century instant gratification lifestyle and society. But I appreciate what Richard Petty did. That was before my time. I did not see him race a single time. I was born in 96, um, but I did not see him race a single time. I know that he dominated stuff back in the 70s and 80s and even into the 90s. He's the king for a reason. 200 wins all in the Cup Series. That's absurd. What he did will never, ever be duplicated. You can mark that down. But I'm also appreciating what Kyle is doing right now, which will also never, ever be duplicated. You can write that down as well because NASCAR has literally changed the rules in Cup guys competing in the lower series, the Xfinity and the Truck Series, pretty much single-handedly because of Kyle Busch. If you think about it, I mean, look, NASCAR changed the playoff format a bunch of times because Jimmy Johnson couldn't stop winning. And they've changed the the participation rules for cup guys in the lower series because Kyle Busch comes down and wins all the time. And he still does. And I wrote this on Front Stretch for Fry on Fridays. You can check it out at frontstretch.com. It's okay to compare them. And it's okay to think that one is better. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to. You don't have to fall on one side of the spectrum and saying, oh, the King's better. Oh, Kyle's way better. Like, you can have that debate with people, and I get why people are having it, but it's not like a you, – you don't have to draw a line in the sand and say, I'm Team Richard or I'm Team Kyle. I'm neither. I'm, I'm straight up neither. Like I said, I've never seen Richard race. I've seen Kyle race his entire career. Both are great drivers. That's okay to admit. I don't understand why people have to fall on one side of the spectrum or the other. Maybe it's, oh, I have to be on this team. I have to pick an opinion. I don't know what it is, but – I'm not picking one because I don't think it's fair to Richard. I don't think it's fair to Kyle. And Kyle said it himself, so is Richard. I mean, people keep asking Kyle, do you think you're one of the greatest of all time? How do you think this compares to Richard? He kind of just kind of brushes off the topic saying, look, what Richard did was great. I think what I'm doing right now and and planning on continue to do is also great. They're different in their own right. Different years, different eras, different cars, different competition. It's all different. And Richard was asked about it, and he basically said, look, what he's doing is great. I didn't do mine in the lower levels of NASCAR, which was kind of a flex, (laughs) which I kind of laughed about. But that's fine. I'm going to say it one more time, clear as day. You do not have to pick a side. You do not have to pick a side. What both of these drivers are doing are great in their own right, in their own rights, and that is okay to admit, and we will move forward. Joey Logano and Brad Keselowski finished second and third in this race. Team Penske seems to be the best of the best this year so far. I know it's only been five races, but they have been up front every single week, competing for wins every single week. Two of the three drivers have wins. Ryan Blaney, he's not too far behind, and he's pretty due for a win. So they finished second and third. Uh, Kevin Harvick and Ryan Blaney completed the top five, so all three Penske cars in the top five. Kurt Busch, Kyle's brother. Man, this guy, Elijah Burke. I don't know if you hired him single-handedly, but if you did, good on you. His third straight top 10 uh, of the season. This guy's crazy, all right? So you saw what the number one car was doing last year with Jamie McMurray in it. He's basically saying, he's, he's probably watching on Fox and saying, man, I don't know if they got better on the offseason or if it was just me because I never could run this well with this car. But, I mean, Kurt Busch has absolutely taken Jamie McMurray's results from the past few years on the one car with Chip Ganassi Racing to the woodshed. I've been very, very impressed with his performance this season. He's definitely going to win not one, maybe maybe two or three races this season. I know Kyle Busch is probably going to have something to say about that because at this rate, it looks like he's not going to slow down whatsoever. 
But his brother, Kurt Busch, it's pretty cool to see. He had some cool words for Kyle afterwards as well, um, you know. And I think Kyle said it earlier, you know, his mom cried at the first one, and his mom cried at the 200th one. And I'm sure Kurt had some tears in between there as well, being proud of his little bro. Denny Hamlin, Martin Shrex Jr., Eric Amarola, and Austin Dillon, they completed the top 10. And a little quick aside about Austin, Cole Custer was actually on standby for Austin this week, and he was really sick the morning of the race. And it's actually funny. Cole was actually the only driver in the Xfinity Series who did not go back to Charlotte. He was still chilling in California. He's from Ladera Ranch, so he was probably out there chilling with some family. So Richard Childress Racing called him up. was like, hey, you're the only Xfinity driver that's not competing today. So in the event that Austin can't race or has to get out early, can you be here on standby? He said, yeah, sure, of course. And there was a little conflict because Cole drives a Ford with SHR. RCR, of course, is a Chevy, but it was cleared by SHR, cleared by RCR, Chevy, and Ford. Everybody worked together. In the end, they didn't end up needing Cole, but it's kind of funny to see him wearing a Chevrolet patch on that uh, Austin Dillon spare fire suit as they were walking to the grid. And that wasn't even it for Austin Dillon, so he was feeling ill before the race. His wife, Whitney, apparently fainted on pit road. I don't know what's going on with the Dillons in California. Maybe they had a little too much fun on Saturday night, but glad they're both okay and glad that Austin was able to bring it home with a top 10 finish. Some other notables, Hendrick Motorsports, Chase Elliott, 11th place, Jimmy Johnson in 17th, still just a couple steps behind so far this season. We have seen flashes of good things coming down the pipeline for Hendrick, but 11th and 17th ain't going to cut it. Speaking of ain't going to cut it, Eric Jones in 19th. I know he had some issues early on when Ricky Stenhouse Jr. spun out, and he might have gotten collected in that. He finished in 19th, but I was expecting very big things out of him this year. Um, I know it's early, and there's a lot a lot of racing left to go, but I really do think that he is going to contend for wins a couple times this year, definitely make the playoffs, and he could be a dark horse if he gets hot at the right time. And then Clint Boyer ended up finishing dead last in 38th. He was down a cylinder about 10, 15 laps into the race, and as you would expect, his radio with him and Brett Griffin, that was a uh, fun time to listen to. Absolutely fun time to listen to. So let's talk about the mockery that was qualifying on Friday. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was a fiasco, a shisho, as it were. This is a family program, so I say shisho, like a shoe show, shisho, not the actual show that you're thinking of. Anyways, Scott Miller talked about it. He's the VP of competition. He said that there were certainly certainly be some tweaks to this qualifying session and I wrote in my notes I'd hope so in parentheses but then I was thinking out loud and I typed out but also not because here's the thing I'm kind of torn on this I was legit entertained when I was watching this qualifying session something has to change because it I'll tell you what happened I'll just spoil the surprise so the way the qualifying works is there's three different rounds the top 24 advanced to the second round and then after that the top 12 advanced to the third round, and then those 12 drivers uh, set their laps, and whoever's quickest wins the pole. So what happened was uh, the timer was at five minutes, and the way that this qualifying uh, session works with this new rules package, it's very draft-dependent and aero-dependent. You do not want to be out there alone. If you are out there on the track alone, your speeds are going to be considerably slower because you don't have anybody drafting with you, helping you get that um, that bubble of air to push you along or the clean air um, to kind of push you along or be in the wake. So that's kind of the, the NASCAR for dummies little type version of why you don't want to be first or alone in this qualifying session. So what, what was happening was teams are waiting until the very last possible second to get out on the racetrack and do their flying hot laps. 
So they barely got him in the second round. I think everybody crossed the line with about three seconds to go after waiting 10 minutes. So there's usually engineers or people on the team that kind of do some math and say, all right, if we want to time it exactly perfectly, we have to leave pit road with X seconds remaining. I think for Auto Club it was about 50, 53 seconds remaining or something or other. So everybody's chilling at the end of pit road for about four minutes and then timer hits one minute and you're saying, all right, got to go, got to go. Everybody's got to go. So cars are inching their way up, inching their way up. <laughs> Nobody's budging. They're get, they're playing chicken like they were at Las Vegas. And then finally, somebody just takes the initiative and goes into the fourth gear and finally gets and leads the pack onto the backstretch. But at that time, all the cars are not up to full speed because nobody wanted to be first because, well, if you're first, you'll be last. Literally, Ricky Bobby. So long story short, everybody ended up not making it back to the start-finish line in time to take the green flag to have their qualifying laps count. So what happened? Well, the top 12 from round two ended up being the top 12 when qualifying concluded. Nobody in the last round took a final lap of qualifying. So Austin Dillon won the poll with the time of zero seconds. Zero seconds and you win the poll. And that was not fun for the fans to watch. I mean, look, they paid their hard-earned money to watch these guys go out on the track and compete. They paid a hot ticket for qualifying and they literally saw nothing. So here was Scott Miller talking about the fact that nobody got a lap in. He was asked what he saw and here was his response. Pretty candid. I can appreciate it. Well, I saw, I saw obviously what, what our fans um, don't want. Obviously, having the last 12 cars wait until they couldn't get a time posted on the board and kind of making a mockery out of the qualifying is not what we expect for our fans. And it's a little bit on us in that we, uh, you know, we hoped, we hoped things would go better than that it's an exciting show when they're out there on the racetrack but obviously we have a little work to do on our our part to get a little bit better format so things like that can happen um, you know we certainly want to provide our fans with with what they deserve and uh, we and the teams didn't do a very good job of that today so we're really disappointed he's exactly right it, it's a little bit on them but it's also on the teams I fall somewhere in the middle here as well kind of like with the Kyle and Richard debate so this is a competition. It's a competition. You are not you are not going to go out first when you are clearly clearly at such a disadvantage. But also like just go. Like like part of me is saying, "Okay, I get why you're not going, but also go because if you go and nobody else goes, like what happened at Auto Club, then you are going to get the pole. Easy. And it's easier said than done for me talking about it on paper and not really being entrenched in the sport from a team aspect like that, but It's just easier said than done for me, but I was literally entertained while I was watching it. I was literally smiling and laughing, which in the moment is fun, but then when you look back on it, you're thinking to yourself, all right, well, that's not good because I'm laughing at this because it's a shit show and they're making a mockery of it, and that's not what we want for qualifying. Like If you're a new fan, like Jason Murphy, I'll pick on you again, for example, if you just turned on Fox Sports 1 and you tuned into qualifying and you just saw five minutes of these guys just waiting at the end of pit road, and then with a minute left, everybody was kind of inching their way over, but then nobody could get anywhere, and they, they did not make it to the line in time. Would you think that's entertaining? I mean, like, and especially if you're there in person, too. I don't think that that would be that entertaining. So something will will happen. Uh, he said that changes are on the horizon, um, not at Martinsville, but at Texas, where the draft is more dependent. So Scott Miller 
his, his thoughts there on NASCAR's kind of experience so far with this rules package and the new qualifying and what's going to change moving forward. All right, the moment you've all been waiting for. Let's throw it over to my interview with Ryan Priest, driver the number 47, JTG Doherty Racing Chevrolet. We talked about short tracks. We talked about modifieds, working on his own cars, transferring from local series racing during the week and on the weekends in his modified to the big-time cup stuff, um, including kind of going out on a whim when he left JD Motorsports, ended up at Joe Gibbs Racing, made the most of his opportunities there, and parlayed it into a cup ride, and so, so much more. I want to thank Kyle Susan, my guy, uh, for helping me out to brainstorm some questions because he knows Ryan Priest better than maybe any other media member that there is in NASCAR nowadays. So without further ado, here he is, Ryan Priest on Victory Lane. I was doing some research on you uh, before I came to this interview, and then one thing I found was really cool. It said, quote, a short track star from Connecticut finished eighth in the Daytona 500. That's crazy, man. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, would have been better if it was even further up, yeah. but it was. A, it's a good day. I mean, that was my first Daytona 500, first finish at Daytona, let alone everything else. And um, finishing in and of itself was an accomplishment. Yeah, so that was that was the goal going in was to just finish at that super speedway, and and we did that. So that's uh, that was good. And then we had a really good car last week, which was even better. So makes you excited to come to some of these mile and a halfs. And you're a rookie this year. You're a 28-year-old rookie, which is kind of a change of pace from the past babyface William Byron. Do you take pride in that, or is that kind of just something that it happened? It's just the way my, my, my path was. I've been racing since I was six years old, so it's taken a long time to get here, but I'm here. And, you know, it's funny is Daniel Hemrick's the same. I mean, yeah. I think he's 28, so we're both rookies. They're 27 or 28. You know, we're both – we both had our own ways of getting here, and um, – it's just good that that we're here. We're fighting for uh, fighting for everything we can. Anybody that knows you know it's all modified Mondays, modified mainly. Kyle tells me all the time, of course. So I know that's your first love, and you always want to keep those roots. But tell me, for somebody that is not in tune with the modified scene, all I know is from you and from Kyle. Why is that so important to you? Um, just because I mean, it, I'm from the Northeast. It's uh, the modifieds are pretty much born up there, you know, and, and a lot of great, a lot of great stars from up there: Richie Evans, Ted Christopher, Bugsy Stevens, Mike Stefanik. A lot of great drivers: uh, Steve Park, uh, Ron Bouchard, Kenny Bouchard. A lot of guys, and um, you know, it's 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 funny. Like down here, it's almost like they're irrelevant in a way, and people love them. But um, so I guess I don't, I don't know. I really. I really don't have an answer for it other than I love I love everything about a modified. They're two inches with ride height rules, two inches off the ground static, and they got 15-inch tires, 650 horsepower. I mean, it would be greater if we had, like, 850, but, yeah. you know, they're, they're a race car. Yeah. When you I'm, look at it, it streams, you yeah. know. It's badass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, like, when – and the thing is, you still cut your teeth with that stuff. Like, people would think, all right, he's in the Cup Series now. He's a company man. He's going to be – all buttoned up, but you still cut your teeth on the modified tour. Yeah, I love it. I uh, that's my free time thing. That's my my passion. Uh, your release. It's my release. So I this week on Monday or Tuesday, whatever day it was, I think it was Monday. Um, I went and worked on my modified for the first time since I got home from New Smyrna, cleaned it, and I take pride in stuff like that. So that's um, it's it's just fun to me. And you like working on your cars, right? Well, I like building speed. I like having fast cars. So that's why I like working on my cars is because it, 
you know, I have control over my own yeah. fate when I show up to that racetrack, and I can't be disappointed in anybody but myself. So that's what I enjoy about it. And, I mean, you do it with your modifieds. Have you been able to do it with your cup cars, or are other guys saying, nah, hands off? Uh, they say no hands off, but um, <laughs> at the same time. Do you listen to him, though? Well, I trust I trust Tristan a lot. Wow. You know, he's a smart, smart guy, and, you know, we've almost started this thing where he'll come over for dinner on Tuesdays, and we'll kind of go over the weekend before. And then we'll also go over what we're planning on doing uh, going to the next weekend. And, and our communication, I'm, I'm really excited about everything because it, I, I, I brought something up on the way a car should drive or feel when you do certain things. And the, the answer he spit back at me was what I've been looking for out of somebody for a long time. So it, it was pretty cool to, to know he has that same understanding of how I feel a car can work and should work. So that marriage is going well, kind of acclimated to each other? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels it feels good. <laughs> Are you past the honeymoon stage? Yes, I don't know. I never. There's never really a honeymoon stage for me. It's like what you see is what you get, and I'm not going to change, and neither are you, and I accept you for who you are and, and what, you know, I feel really good about everything we have going. All right, so let's go back a little bit. When you left JD Motorsports, it was, it was kind of on a whim before you went to JGR. So my question was, what was going through your head then? Did you have anything planned besides the races that you knew that you were going to be able to bring sponsorship for? Like, what was the plan? I had no plan. When I when I left Johnny Davis, I had no sponsors. I had nothing. I was going back to race for my modified owner right. and go win races, and that's it. You know, I had no, no plan, really, of, of going to run Xfinity or anything. It, it just happened that Carl Edwards retired and... and a guy whose garage I was living in when I was in North Carolina, Bono, called me and said, hey, you need to call Steve D'Souza. And that's how that all got started. And when Steve called me back and said said what it would take, I called everybody and anybody I could to make it happen. And it all worked out. So you had no plan at all? It all just came together? It all just I mean, for about a month and a half of when I was getting cars ready for New Smyrna, there was show up, do your, do your, you know, get there at 7.30 and work until whatever time it was, yeah. and that was that was what it was going to be. Well, it all worked out for the best, I guess, right? Yep. Absolutely. So, um, Kyle told me to ask you about Ed Partridge. He's been very important in your career. Tell me about him. Uh, Eddie's the guy, so 2015, I, uh, or it was 2014, it was the end of 2014, I got a call from him, said that they were going to make a change, and, you know, if I wanted to come drive for him. So that was going into 2015, and uh, my thing was I wanted to race a lot, and he was all about racing. So that's how I got started with him, and and then um, you know obviously I went down in 2016, did the Xfinity stuff, raced part time for him, and then in 17 when I moved back home, he uh, he gave me a full time job working uh, on the car, getting everything prepared, setting him up, and driving for him. So he's uh, he's been a huge part in keeping me afloat, racing, keeping my career alive, and and being competitive. You need people like that in this sport, though, right? Yeah, I mean, without well, them, what are you going to be? At short track levels, there's a lot of there's there's mo- there's there's a lot of those guys out there that that help people like myself, um, you know, race. So uh, you know, he was definitely somebody that that helped him and Kathy and Albert Moniz, They're another huge part of this from that I race for, uh, you know, and along with, with along with Al or um, Al Hankey from Mohawk. Uh, there was a lot of great people that helped me get here. There was there was a group of people. So I'm I'm lucky to have been surrounded by great great people. What has their reaction been to you in the Cup Series finishing top ten in Daytona? I mean, do they care? Or are they just more like it's good old Ryan. 
uh, yeah, you know, they 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 care. You know, yeah. it's cool. They always they always shoot me text messages. Right. Like I talk to Kathy now quite often. I talk to Eddie. You know, Eddie, uh, I'm still preparing uh, one of his cars to run some tour races this year. So we were just talking about he's bringing the car down this weekend, and um, so I'm still working on that stuff. So I talk to Eddie a lot. You know, Eddie and Connie, um, but. I don't know. I mean, it, they weren't just all these people aren't just owners or sponsors. They're friends. So it's I don't know. I'm lucky to be surrounded by them. You know. I want to ask you about your wife. Yep. She races. She used to race. Okay. How yep. was she? She was good. I mean, she ever beat you? I don't think so. <laughs> Do you just not want to admit it? I'll give her. You know, I was very fortunate to have had the seat time I've had and the people helping me that I had that. You know, I, we were really good. So I, I talked to her actually about yesterday. I said, what do you think about running New Smyrna next year on a tour type? And uh, so I might have to get her a seat made and, and be, play crew chief for her. Or, Let's do it. Or let her drive my car next year, but we'll see. Let's do it. Like you said, your, your fellow rookie of the year competitor, Daniel Hemrick. Kenzie? He does it for Kenzie. Yeah, yeah I know. We could have like a, a females race or something. Why not? Let's do it. It would be crazy. You can start off with the better half dash or something, get her feet back in it. Who cares? Let's no, do it. No, we got to put some horsepower behind them. Okay. You know, we got to have more than whatever. I don't know if they're like 20 horsepower or something. Okay. We'll put them in something real. All right. So uh, another big thing that I know you're very happy about is FansChoice.tv. Yep. Streaming all the modified races this year. K&N last night as well. Why is that such a big deal for the modified community? Well, I think it's a big deal for modifieds because those guys work hard. They, they, they you, I don't know if you talk to any media member about modifieds and going there, uh, it's just a different atmosphere. You know, a lot of people are excited and and they, a lot of them are volunteers and a lot of these racers, they. This is their weekend thing. This is their golf game. So they take it extremely serious. It's not like I want to make it, you know, I want to make it to here and if I don't get here I'm done. It's this is their passion. Yeah. So when you go to a modified race, it you know, the claws come out. This is it gets it gets rough. So uh, I enjoy that atmosphere. I I respect each and every one of those guys and all the people that own those cars cuz you know, they spend a lot of their hard-earned money to be there and then the, the racers the drivers themselves they sacrifice a lot with their families you know not being there during the summer and going on vacations and, and doing all those things they do it because they love racing they love the sport and they love winning so that's what what excites me about fans choice tv and maybe opening up some possibilities to where it might help them that little bit you yeah. know so that's what excites me about it like somebody like me i've straight up never watched a modified race i i saw a couple laps in person of a heat race or qualifying or something yep. but i've never seen it but i know they're badass yes. so now i'm going to be able to watch though and that's the thing that's important opening it up to new eyes yeah so that's always what i've said if we can get about 200 more horsepower it'd be like the world of outlaws on asphalt <laughs> you know they just there's so much to a modified you know, when you go to a World of Outlaw race, it's not necessarily something exciting about the racing that they're putting on. It's just how cool they are watching them go around yeah. the track. And that's the same thing with a modified. Uh, you see one of those hit the racetrack. They, they're just mean. But, you know, that that's something that I think is really cool about these cup cars now. It's what really, you know, what I love about them is there, there's no ride height rule. They're on the ground, and that makes them really cool to look at. You know what I mean? And so... You know the cup cars are right there with them. They, they've gotten there. Modifieds are they're sweet a close too. second to you. Uh, they're. I feel like they're a tie, but I okay. come from modifieds, yeah. so you know it's just something I love to do. 
Um, all right, so like I said, you started off the season very well, and last week you had an incredible run going to the Pit Road incident. Yeah. Expectations-wise for this year, what do you think is realistic? Top 15s and top 10s and consistently keep moving up. I mean, if we just keep going down the right way, finding the speed in our cars but the long-run speed too, keeping our nose clean, uh, I have. there's no reason why we can't run top 15. We showed it last week. We were, we were able to contend with a lot of these yeah. powerhouse teams and uh you know i know ernie and all the crew chiefs tad and jody and and brad and everybody what they expect out of this there's a lot there's a lot of there's a lot that's been put into this program over the past four years you know to get it to where it is now mm-hmm. and um you know i feel good about it and i i really you know after last week running top you know being in the top 10 and running there i feel good about you know consistently top 15 top 10 i feel good about that right now and you know in five or six races you know maybe we could say top five or or top you know top fives and that's how you build so you know we just gotta we gotta keep doing that keep keep making gains uh speed wise drivability wise and you know every and just honestly just keep keep trying to find never stop trying to find more speed because that's where all these teams are always looking for Maybe if they let you turn some wrenches, you'll be able to find a couple more horsepower. I got I got some pretty respectable people doing those <laughs> things. I think I can help, but um, you know I feel really comfortable with them doing it. All right, last question. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about all these sponsors on your fire suit. I mean, I know Tad and Jody they wheel and deal like no other team owners. What's the what's the promotion that Kroger's doing this year? You're running. You or Chris, I forget, is running a ton of paint schemes, and you can get your groceries delivered. Yeah, exactly. So it's almost like the new package that everybody keeps talking about. Uh-huh. It's like, you know, Kroger's packaging, right? Uh-huh. Pick up, ship, I deliver. See, I see what you did so, there. So, see, if you're not on a Kroger marketplace, you can actually get your food shipped to you, uh-huh. which is exciting because, I mean, I'm Who from Who wouldn't want groceries shipped to them? Exactly. So I'm from Connecticut. We don't have that. So uh-huh. we can get groceries shipped to us from Kroger. And I support those who support me and our team. So that's the deal. There you go. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Ryan Priest. He's a really cool guy. He was, I was actually kind of embarrassed. So I completely forgot that I had the interview scheduled for early, early in the morning. And at Vegas, I pretty much got like no sleep. So I texted um, Ryan Priest's PR girl, Kelly Boyd, who, Kelly, shout out to you. You're probably not listening, but thank you for working with me. So I texted her. I was like, wow, I completely forgot. I am getting my credential right now. I will come as soon as I can. And she was able to help us reschedule for later in the day because he didn't have too much going on. So very thankful for her for that. Um, and I had a great time talking with him. And he kind of joked with me. He's like, man, you made me wait wait around all day long. And now you're going to come here with your microphone and your mic flight. He was joking the whole time. But it was funny stuff. Uh, so, yeah, like I said, definitely appreciate Ryan being, um, being accommodating with that. And I uh, look forward to talking to him again. So let's look ahead to Martinsville Speedway this weekend, the STP 500 Sunday, March 24th. Green flag is going to fly around 2 p.m. Eastern time on Fox Sports. Uh, 500 laps. Stages are slated to end at laps 130 and 260. Clint Boyer is the defending winner of this race. This is the race where he snapped his winless streak last year, and there was a great photo of him uh, getting out of his car, running to his son Cash with the checkered flag in his hand. That was such a cool, cool picture, and he talked about that at length last year, about he's going to frame it, and when Cash grows up, he'll be able to see that. Cool stuff. So a couple storylines coming in. Penske is going to be tough to beat. They have been all year, and I don't think Martinsville is going to be any different, even though it's a short track. 
Joey Logano has four top tens in his last five races here. And the last time we were here, you remember that? He won last time we were at Martinsville. And Martin Truex vowed that he won the battle, but he ain't going to win the damn war. Hate to break it to you, Martin, but he won the battle and he won the damn war after winning the championship a couple weeks later in Miami. Ryan Blaney, he has back-to-back top fives at Martinsville, and his last two finishes here have been top tens, obviously. So he is due for a win. Definitely due for a win. He's the one Penske driver that has not graced victory lane so far this season, but I think that could possibly change this weekend. He's not afraid to ruffle some feathers. Brad Keselowski, he has six straight top tens and five straight top fives um, in the last, or yeah, no, I got my stats right. Six straight top tens and five straight top fives at Martinsville. He won in the spring of 2017. So if you're looking for a fantasy pick, I would definitely go with the blue deuce of Brad Keselowski. And moving on to Joe Gibbs, Kyle Busch, I mean, this is maybe his best track. He has two wins and two second-place finishes in his last seven races here. He has been absolutely dominant. I want to say the year was 2017 where he led almost 400 of the 500 laps. I think it was like 365, 363 laps that he led here. And that was the most laps led in a win in Martinsville history. And this is the oldest track on the NASCAR schedule. So that was an incredible accomplishment for sure. So Kyle Busch is going to be tough to beat as well. Denny Hamlin, this is his home track. He has a handful of wins here as well. Eric Jones, short track guy, uh, growing up in Michigan. Maybe he can get a win here as well. And here's my dark horse for this weekend. And I say this because I went to Charlestown races and slots in West Virginia with my boy PJ. And I saw this bet, and I had to put at least a little money on it just in case it hit. Jimmy Johnson has not won a race in over a year. We know Hendrick Motorsports is slumping. We know that he is in the biggest slump of his career. 28 to 1 odds to win the race outright. I don't think it's going to happen, but I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I go to Martinsville, he wins the race, and I didn't bet on it. So I got a little action on it, just a little bit. It's not going to affect my coverage of the weekend. Don't you worry, everybody. I'm an unbiased reporter who does not pick favorites, as you know. So, I have a little money on Jimmy Johnson as a dark horse. He's won here nine times. Not as many times as he's won at Dover, but nine times. Uh, So, come on, Jimmy. Do me a solid. Give me some money. Trucks are also going to be in action on Saturday afternoon. There's two practice sessions on Friday, which unfortunately I will not be at those two practice sessions. But I'm driving down early, early, early Saturday morning uh, to catch truck qualifying, the truck race. And also cup qualifying will be on Saturday as well. Maybe one practice session, I think. So I'm excited for that. My first ever trip to Martinsville Speedway. A lot of people have told me that it's my kind of place. Zach Catanzaretti uh, was one of the first people that kind of said, oh, man, you got to go. It's your type of place. I was like, why? And he said, well, it just has a lot of history. It's a short track, and he knows that I go to all short tracks with my K&N coverage with home tracks. So I'm looking forward to it big time. I don't know what I'm going to set the over-under for Martinsville Hot Dogs Consumed is, but I think they're, what, like $2? I might set the over-under at like 11 and a half or 12 and a half. Um I got to bring some money with me because I think I'm going to spend my hard-earned cash in Martinsville hot dogs. But I think it'll be good. It'll be for the story. And it's kind of one of the things. You're in Martinsville. You have to have a bunch of hot dogs, right? That's that's just how it works. So if you're there in Martinsville this weekend, please come say hello. We'd love to chat with you. I know some of my Clout9 homies will be there uh, staying with Elijah Burke on Saturday in the Airbnb. Always do that when we go to the racetrack. We're homies. So uh, I'm looking forward to Martinsville big time, man. Um, and I didn't really talk about it at Auto Club too much because I know we got to get rolling here. But the package was not great at Auto Club. Um, I mean, Auto Club has been one of the best racetracks in the past few years that we've seen racing-wise. And don't get me wrong. It was okay. 
but it wasn't a great race. I don't even think that it was that good. It wasn't super, super compelling because you just knew that Kyle Busch was going to slice and dice his way up through the pack. Um, and Brett Griffin, TJ Majors, and Freddie Kraft talked about this on Door Bumper Clear with Dirty Mo Media earlier this week. So you know how Fontana has that little thing going into turn one that says how fast the cars are going? So it's I don't think it's a great look when the Xfinity cars top out at, what, 192, 193, something like that, and then the cup cars are slower. Like, I don't I don't think that's a good good look. I mean, and TJ was like, just unplug the damn thing, which is true, but also, I mean, I just, I, I don't know how to fix the racing in the Cup Series nowadays. I don't know whether it's not this, whether it's the speed, whether it's the rules package, it's the downforce, it's probably a multitude and a mix of all those things. All I know is I want the splitter gone, and I want the cars to look and drive and sound like they did in the mid-2000s. I watched a clip of Ryan Newman qualifying at night at Charlotte, that was, uh, I just found it on Twitter one night. Dude, I watched that clip like five times in a row. It was just so, it was just so pure. Like, it was so cool. His his car was not sealed to the ground. You could tell that he was feathering the throttle and using the brake a lot. Um, and it was just so cool. Like, the, the, the cars sounded different. The cars looked different. The cars drove different. And I know this is a different era within NASCAR. The rules are different. Um, the teams have more resources readily available to them. And whatever rules package NASCAR brings to the track, the teams are going to get ahead of it. But I just I hope that we can fix this sooner rather than later because I had a lot of hype going into the season with this package. And so far, it's uh, it hasn't fallen flat. It's just It's just been a little underwhelming, I should say. So Martinsville Speedway should be a lot of fun. Really looking forward to it. And uh, let's move on to our last segment of the day. You know what it is. Log Nuts of the Week. Cue the music. Danica Patrick, a.k.a. my wife. Shout out, Borat. She is going to be helping out NBC with some of the Indy 500 coverage on their broadcast. So in a way, just like Dale Jr. is, and I said this last year, since I work at NBC Sports Washington, NBC Universal pays me. She's my coworker. That's pretty cool. Cool stuff. I think she'll do well, though. She knows those cars pretty well, and she knows that place pretty well as well. It's a lot of wells. So I'm going to say, well, let's move on. AM Racing's number 22 truck this weekend will be piloted by Bubba Wallace. He's going to run double duty for the first time in a while. And the team said that they want to advance their program. Uh, and a way to do that is having Bubba in their truck. He has a really good track record at Martinsville. Seemed like a perfect marriage, if you ask me. So looking forward to see Bubba... Um, Run those tough trucks in NASCAR, baby. Uh, like I said, truck series. God, I love it. Best series in all in NASCAR. Jeffrey W. Merritt. He's been suspended indefinitely by NASCAR for violating a rule which includes committing a misdemeanor or a felony. So whatever he did, it ain't good. Jeff Burton will be inducted into the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame on April 6th in Virginia Beach. Nice honor for him. If you live down there, go ahead, check it out. And Jeff Gordon will be inducted into the West Coast Stock Car Hall of Fame. No shocker there. Some other nominees or inductees, I should say, for the West Coast Stock Car Hall of Fame are team owners Gary Betchel and Bob Brancati. We know Bob Brancati, Sunrise Ford in the K&N West Series. And the, Na- and the weekly racing series national champion, Doug McCown, and k Pro Series West champion, Eric Norris. They're all going to be inductees, so congratulations to everybody involved in that. Only one penalty from this weekend. Chris Gabehart has been fined $10,000 for one loose lug nut uh, following inspection, post-race inspection, I should say, from Fontana. So that's Denny Hamill's crew chief, 
being a little lighter on the wallet, but ain't no thing but a chicken wang. And Matt Kenseth will race at the Slinger Nationals in July. That's really cool to see a guy like him doing that. I, I'm not super surprised about it, though. I feel like he's just so low-key. He's always chilling out. Nobody's asking what he's doing. He's content to just lay low, stay out of the limelight, and do his thing, which I think is really cool. And Matt Kenseth, he's always been that type of guy. I never got the chance to personally interview him, but maybe eventually I'll be able to because he seems like a pretty cool guy. Um, and I'm actually distracted right now because I'm watching the Louisville-Minnesota game because, of course, it's March Madness. I picked Louisville. They're down 14 right now. And there's a little scrum with 8.21 to go in the second half. So, well, looks like the first game of the tournament. I am 0-1, but I won a lot of money last year, and that was great. So now I just put all my money in again, and hopefully I can replicate that success. Probably won't work because, well, it's March Madness, and it never does. Speaking of madness, though, tell me what you guys have in your Final Four. I, I know you guys filled out some brackets. I got Duke. Um, I wanted to pick my Spartans, but I went with my head, not my heart. I have Michigan. Again, talking about going with your head over your heart. I have them in the bottom left. I don't have the bracket in front of me. And then I got UNC in the bottom right. And then I got UVA on the top right. So I got three ACC teams and one Big Ten team. But unfortunately, not the Big Ten team that I like um, in the Final Four. God, Minnesota's killing them. Huh. Golden Gophers. Should have known. Anyways, I think that'll wrap things up for Episode 3 of Victory Lane 2.0. Hope you enjoyed Ryan Priest this week. And survive the Kyle Busch 200 win coverage. It's over, everybody. You can breathe. Next week, we will recap the racing at Martinsville. We'll hear from another driver. I'll, I'll leave it as a surprise by now, but I think I got one in mind. Um, so it's going to be fun. Like I said, if you're going to be at Martinsville this weekend, please feel free to say hello. Follow along with my coverage all weekend long at Davy Center on Twitter. You can also like my Facebook page, uh, Davy Siegel. And follow along with all of my work all weekend long at Frontstretch. Com. One more time, I know it sounds trivial, but please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you want it. Those are the places we have it readily available and downloadable right now. We have it all going on for us, as we always do. Uh, so please, thank you so much for listening, the support. It really, really does mean a lot to me. I know it sounds trivial and it sounds like I'm not sincere, but I, I really am sincere with that. So thank you guys so much. As I end every single episode, I say peace and love, my homies. See you at Martinsville.